0: back to another episode of sinners anonymous today we're going to be discussing the topic of who is god my name is irene my name is justine
1: theo mike amin Hi, my name is david vishoy
2: and don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts on sinners anonymous um and we always have meetings every other friday so feel free to join us for a discussion at saint mary's and delray coptic orthodox church
3: all right well Let's talk today about probably one of the most important topics. Who is God? Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? You know, what happened over 2,000 years ago on the cross, for a lot of people, it's so distant. It's so difficult to really comprehend and to understand how does that really affect me and my everyday life. A lot of people, even in the church, struggle understanding who God is what the church's role in their life is, but most importantly, who they are. And what they don't realize is that the answers to all three of those questions are very much intertwined. So today, we're going to be talking about who God is, per your request. But we've got a little special treat for you guys. Sitting over there is a stand-in for our special guest, Z. So, Z, uh, introduce yourself, please. Hello, my name is Zikro. You can call me Z. And, uh, and so we're going to be on this journey together, and uh, Z will be representing the, the viewpoint. And what we're going to learn a little bit about Z's background. Uh, and we're going to take a look at things through an interesting lens, through a, someone who is not as convinced or who has gone on this very long and intellectual and deeply uh, spiritual and personal journey of discovering exactly who God is. And, and that is the blessing for you guys today. So, with that, let's kick it off with probably the single most important question. Who is God? God
2: is love.
3: <laughs> the, okay. <laughs> 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 you
2: can
3: get an amen. Okay. Once I get to it. There you oh, you know what? We changed them, so I, I don't even um, know where amen is. That's but okay. that's, so, so, what do you Next. mean God is love?
0: So, I think when we say, like, God is love, like, he is the... Definition the feeling that spiritual connection of love like he is literally the embodiment of love.
4: Uh, I can put something about um, so when I think of who is God, uh, and my uh understanding or my just a way I like to phrase it in my mind, he is well, he is partly me, and everybody uh, everybody thinks that they will you have God in you, uh, however, uh god is uh me when i am my highest when at my highest moral standing so when i am doing my best lo- loving everyone around me and just trying to be an upstanding citizen or uh, being the best person i can be and uh love in my opinion is one of the strongest emotions to an emotion you can show to anyone anything and uh it's almost instantly reciprocated so that in my opinion is wh- uh, a little bit of why god is love
3: so, so Z, that's a very interesting viewpoint. Um, I'd love to learn how you got to that. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, about where you are? Are, are you Christian? Are you Coptic? What do you identify as today? Uh, and, and maybe we can better understand uh, how you got to, to that answer.
4: Of course. So uh, I grew up in the church in, uh, uh, ever since I was young, uh, you know, in the Hick. And then uh, when I got to around, I want to say, high school, I... Uh, Went on this sort of agnostic path, just really delving into science and understanding or trying to understand uh, God or the universe at large from a more, I want to say, logical perspective or more uh, a perspective based less off of um, prefixing truths. And when, and at, at this point, I've come to realize that we, you, you, there will always be pre-existing truths, uh, no matter which perspective you look at. And uh, to believe in Coptic or will believe in what I believe in is uh, just what makes me happy and what I fully believe in at this point.
3: So, so uh, that's an interesting belief system. Can you lay it out a little bit more? So would you, do you consider yourself a Christian?
4: Yes, fully consider myself Coptic Orthodox Christian.
3: Cool. And, and so how, how does your understanding of, of, of that identity, uh, how would you say it's different than maybe the more traditional mainstream understanding of it?
4: Uh, I would say my my understanding of Coptic Orthodox Christianity, how it's different from mainstream Christianity. Yeah. Um, I would say my understanding is... Rooted, or my belief rather, is rooted much more in logical coherence, if that makes sense. So, uh, and to extent, so one of the reasons why I fully believe is uh, so just going on a logical path on on what I know to be true or what I believe to be true to what I could then believe based off what I believe. If that makes sense. So I I fully believe that Jesus Christ was a man who existed at one point. And I believe that he was crucified on the cross. And to believe that he was a man and that he was crucified on the cross, so why would they crucify him on the cross? Why would they crucify just some normal man? In my opinion, that just seems idiotic. Uh, wow. yeah. And uh, following that, I truly believe he is the son of God. Because of it, he, they must have believed he is the son of God, and that is why he was crucified. And that's basically how, uh, that's why I believe. Uh, based off of ideas like that.
3: Got it. So, um, that's, that's a very interesting viewpoint. Bishu, from the more traditional viewpoint, do you, do you wanna make sure our, our listeners uh, understand, you know, what the juxtaposition of that would be? If at all, if there's anything.
5: Um, I mean, I don't see anything really from the traditional perspective, if you will. that uh, he said, that is absolutely wrong in any ways. In fact, um people tend to think when they look at the traditional faith, and it's kind of like how we were raised, is that there is the blind faith. But in reality it isn't. In reality, there is reason and logic. Um in fact, if we wanna when when I when I when we when I was presented with the topic who is God, I thought it can go one of two ways. Either it can be who is God, does God exist, or who is God, why is Christianity so special from every other religion? And both requires logic it makes sense that you know just to like throw that out there it makes much more sense that someone who is far more intelligent created something that is intelligent Uh, why is christianity special from the traditional point of view is god is our father that's the traditional point of view and he told us this is my inheritance it's the kingdom of heaven if you believe i'm your father pretty much like put my name in your last name yeah, you'd have everything I have because I'm your father now, but if you don't want me to be your father and you don't have my, you don't want to have my last name, that's your choice. But then the kingdom of heaven becomes here, kind of like, do you want it or do you not want it? It's really not up to God at that point.
4: If I okay. can add something to us, oh, I don't know if you're done. Uh, but uh, I really like that or that uh, way of thinking, like the traditional versus the non-traditional. Because I, uh, I, I'm obviously non-traditional. and That's why I'm here. But um, so I believe, or I choose or I don't know if this is true, or I'd like to get your opinion on this. I believe that the traditional form of thinking is a more, a, uh, I want to say stronger faith person in a sense. I believe that they can both attain the same level of faith, however, for example, for my mom, who she has never uh, investigated any of the uh, things I have thought of, or she never needed any of the the logical thought patterns or however you want to call them. To, to believe, but she believes just because she believes. She believes just because. And I believe that is a way stronger form of faith than I have right now. And I hope to reach her level of faith one day.
2: But you know, I think there's also value in questioning. I don't wanna say questioning, but healthy questioning of a faith or a belief system. Because you know, like Beshoy said, like sometimes people go into the faith like, I don't want to say blindly, but, you know, it's what we're used to. It's what we've been doing all our lives. And so ever since we were born, literally. So, um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with questioning and understanding where the the roots of the faith comes from, because it does provide a better understanding and appreciation for the faith, I feel like, once you reach a certain conclusion. Um, Now, that's needless to say, like, yes, the questioning can lead somebody to be astray and leave the faith and then decide oh, you you know, like it's a way for the devil to come in and say, I'm going to start putting questions in your mind. So you start doubting the faith and start backing out. But I think if you, it, it can go one of either two ways. One, you know, somebody questions the faith and they go astray or somebody questions the faith and actually becomes stronger and appreciates the faith and the practices of the, of the religion and becomes stronger with God and they understand who God is and um, why Jesus Christ came on earth and, you know, how we attain salvation. So I think, you know, underestimating or undermining the value of questioning is, is you know, I, th- I think we should appreciate um, questioning who is God and what does God mean in my life? And, you know, how do I develop a relationship with him rather than, you know, just blindly going forth? Yeah, that's that's good. And like having a faith kind of like you said, Z, but I think, you know, questioning the faith is also something that provides a, a valuable appreciation for the faith as well.
3: So let, let's look at the, the history of Christianity and try to un- unpack this a little bit. So uh, in, in the early days of Christianity, education and knowledge uh, were not readily available. So basically uh, there was no time. Very few people uh, pursued intellectual curiosities. Um, that's because the demands of life at the time were very rigorous and physical for the most part. And so what you have is this very young blind faith where people believed because, uh, you know, the church was the center of their village. The religion was key to who they were. And anytime they struggled or had a, an issue, whether the crops, you know, there was a drought or an own personal issue, it was all given to God. Because science and all of this uh, just really wasn't available to the common man. Uh, and so you have early Christianity focused on this uh, invisible faith. Uh, th- this this very strong fervent basic faith. In fact, one of the reasons why icono- iconography in our uh, in in Orthodoxy, not just Coptic Orthodoxy, but Orthodoxy in general, is so important is because most people are illiter- illiterate, and so uh, the icons uh, and and the actual development of uh, iconography, because it's not just art. There's symbolism and meaning in every single uh, Coptic icon, or Orthodox icon you see, developed because back then, you know, Sunday school was gather around kids around the picture of Saint uh, Mina and let me tell you about the camels, the story of the camels, and why he's wear, wearing, uh, you know, this uh, soldier outfit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. right? So, knowledge was not something people really sought outside of what they were given, what they were fed with uh, in the church, and, and generally. But the 20th century, by the turn of the 20th century, this is different. And, and, and this is the precursor to what we have today, which is knowledge is readily available. Uh, we don't know everything, but we know a lot more. And people generally are beginning to learn about science and why things work. So what's happening, unfortunately, is there's a divorce between the logical side of, of your brain, between this desire to question, the, the desire to understand the beauty that God has created and faith. And you have some people who say, um, listen, you're going to get lost, so don't ever question. Just have blind faith and never allow your faith to go above that, right? All you need to know is Jesus died for you on the cross, he loves you, and you need to live a good life on earth so that you can live a great life in heaven, right? And that's it. For a lot of people, this is enough. And that's fine. But more and more and more, especially as... um, this younger generation is beginning to wake up in a western society where they have choices
2: a woke community a woke woke community
3: um it's not enough for a lot of people that's not enough blind faith is not enough i need to understand i need to question well why did god do this why do i have to live this way why does the church do this way justine's point is right on the mark there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. in fact for a lot of people who cannot accept this this uh, cradle copped uh, doctrine, which is you were born a cop, you will die a cop. You know you don't need to know anything other than what the church feeds you. Um, that for a lot of people that's not good enough. So for us to come and say, hey, don't go down this road because you're going to lose your way. Uh, it's it's a little bit short-sighted, right? Because God gave you a mind, and and God wants you to ask questions. God wants you to understand. How are you going to understand someone if you don't take the time to learn about them? You know how can you have a relationship with someone? Like, imagine in early parts of a relationship, you want to get to know about this person because you're interested about them. So what are you going to do? You're going to ask questions. You're going to spend time with them. You're going to talk to them. If you don't do that, for a lot of people, your faith will never grow. Mm-hmm. There is a danger, though. There is a danger. Sometimes, and this happens unfortunately more often than not, when you start this journey and you're not guided or you don't seek guidance, it gets so complicated, Right? It gets so complicated. Like we've talked about this before. Like Khan el Khalili in in Egypt. Is, if you've anyone's ever been there, this is the Grand Bazaar. It's like the tourist attraction, right? It is blocks and blocks and blocks of street merchants, and they're all very loud, and they're all saying, "Come, come, come, come! Look at my wares! I'll give it to you for two shekels. I'll give it to you three piastres. Like they're trying to deal with you, right? You can get very easily lost in that marketplace if you don't have a guide. If you don't have a guide, and 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 if so, so if we're going to summarize what we're saying here, some people. This basic cr- cradle cop faith is good enough. Cradle cop means you were born as a cop, you will die as a cop, and everything that the church will tell you, you will never question, and you will you will always have this very basic level of, of faith, and it's good enough for you. Nothing
5: wrong with that. I want to add to that a little bit. Um, when you talk about the blind faith, you, you said, like, yes, it has to be guided, and I 100% agree with that. Uh, in terms of, like, the, the, the being curious and asking questions and whatnot is... Like or asking people not to ask questions is is not okay I, I think it's completely wrong because religion in itself not just Christianity it answers a question and a need to people that ha- that people have so the question that Christianity answered and I'm kind of like going to not gonna like go on a tangent on it but the question that Christianity answered that pretty much no other religion has answered as good is what happens after death and the idea of Jesus Christ, the son of God, giving us life, that in itself answered the question of, I don't fear death anymore. That, that answered the need. The thing with the two different types of the faith, like being traditional or like um, blind faith, let's call it, is that faith goes into levels. It's that it's, first you, you, get answered, you, get, you get that question answered, and that's the mind part. And then after that, it's the heart. And that's when you develop the relationship. You will never develop a relationship with just answering questions, but it's with talking and spending time and interacting. And these people, because they have interacted with God, they have already passed that mind without going through it because they are already in the next part, which is I am answering all my faith with my heart. The same way love is. Everything is like that. If you, if you say love is just feelings, well, okay, then if you don't do anything for me that shows me that you love me, then what's the point? Same thing with faith. You say you believe in God, but you don't follow him and you don't do anything that he asked for, so how come you have faith in him? Or you, mm-hmm. once we go into a problem, that's very classic for all of us, I mean, me personally, you go to the first problem, the first thing, where's God? <laughs> come on, man, like, he, he saved you before, he can save you later. That part of, it has an emotion part, the heart part, and it has the mind part, That is in anything that is not tangible, especially in faith and love.
2: And I'd like to add to Bishoy's point that I think a lot of people who go on to this journey of understanding who God is or finding God need to also go in with an open heart and an open mind. They can go in with a preconceived decision that God doesn't exist or God, God is not there, So I'm just going to go on this journey to figure out who God is, but I already know he's not there because then all the answers, I I don't want to say all the answers are shut down, but you're already going in with a closed-minded attitude. So nobody, you know, anything that God comes into with your life, you're not going to relate it to God. You're going to relate it to, oh, that was me, or that was just luck, or it was coincidental. Um, But I think people who go on this journey who really want to know who God is and who go with an open mind and an open heart, they will see all the blessings that God can put into their lives and they can see the impact that God has on their lives. And I think um, that makes the big difference, kind of like what you were saying, um, blind faith versus, you know, actually soul searching. You know, are you soul searching just because for the sake of soul searching or because you're actually curious and you actually want to know and you actually want God to come into your life?
3: <laughs> what What do the rest of you guys think?
0: So actually I was going to go off of what Bashoi was saying about the how like, that God is not, like, an emotion, and it's not a feeling, and I think a lot of us, like, tend to, when we pray, or, like, we sit with God, or we think about God, we always come to, like, at least for me, I get to this point where I'm, like, how come I don't, like, feel him, like, how come the monastic fathers are always saying they just feel this, like, presence, like, an overwhelming presence around them, like, how come I don't feel that, so I actually was, like, doing some research, and I had this question so I I was looking it up like why can't I feel God's presence and it's not a human emotion that we can feel like it can't be described by a human emotion um according to like this father um father Wisa Gabriel Wisa he said that it's like beyond an emotion it's a spiritual connection between the heart and mind so when you are praying it's going to be a not a human feeling it's going to be a spiritual connection in arabic it's called like denous i think it's like the eye of the spirit oh yeah
5: yeah yeah. so like
0: it's like a totally different part of the the spirit Yeah, yeah that you're opening when you're praying to god that it's not something that the human mind can comprehend without actually like feeling it um and another thing that he was like quoting uh saint john it was like 423 said The worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the spirit is seeking for the father is seeking such to worship him. And I thought it was really interesting because he said spirit and truth. So you have to believe and know that this is the truth, but also know that your spirit has to be there as well. Like your spirit has to be longing for that connection. It needs to be open to that connection.
3: So, so you you hit on something that's very important Um, guidance. When we talk about, how important it, you, it's okay to go down this journey it's good to go down this journey if, you, if god has put it in your heart but you need to be guided guidance is not just in the form of a father confession or a spiritual father it is what you said the guided by the holy spirit itself like you have to feel in your heart that i know this is true i just want to find out how it is true and wh- how that truth affects me this is christianity in, in one of its most elevated forms right knowing like I I know that it's true, but I want to understand how, and I want to understand why, and I want to understand him, and I want to understand myself. Part of that is asking the Holy Spirit to guide you on this journey. Um, What about the rest of you guys think? What's what's your opinion on what we're discussing?
6: I wanted to bring up something that um, Z said at the very beginning, um, where he says that he feels God's love the most when he's at his highs. Um, And obviously, everybody experiences it differently. um, But from my experience, I went through a similar, um, you know, spiritual struggle and journey where I was asking these questions of, where is God? What is God? Is there a God? Um, and if there is a God, would it be my faith that I was born in? And I experienced these because I was at a lot of lows in my life, and you know, it was around the same time it was in high school where a lot of the real world starts to hit. You learn that, you know, a lot of the way you view adults, a lot of it is a lot different now, and you learn the truth and. Um, went through a lot of struggles that I don't really want to detail, but you do start to even wonder You know, if I'm just gonna die and rot away, what's the point of anything? Mm-hmm. And in that moment, you know, I started to realize that am I, am I really Christian Or am I just going to church because mom and dad take me? And at that very, that very low is when I needed God's love the most And I said, if there's a God, if, there, if you really are And, and everything in, that, in this book that I'm reading is true then I wanna feel this love. I wanna I wanna have I wanna experience things that make me feel loved because right now I don't have any and I need it. It's and in that moment was the only way that I truly became a Christian. When I started to actually feel God's love and and seeked it out and found it because in that moment I realized I, I truly needed it to to live
0: that's amazing
2: like literally that's
6: yeah yeah that, that's amazing that, that's the whole point yeah.
3: <laughs> that's incredible no no that, that's a, that's a and beautiful and this is moment. the end of
2: the podcast yeah. <laughs> thank you guys for
3: joining us. um you know finding god you can find him anywhere but what both what both z and, and you said is is probably the most common scenario it's the same for me like when you are at your lowest in life and you finally realize that your prideful self is not able to get you out of this, this problem, this issue, and the emotions are too strong, and the stresses and anxiety of the world are too much, that is when it all just evaporates. Mm-hmm. You know, your, own, you know, your, your own prideful ego, uh, your goals in your life, your, all the things that you wanted and you were achieving, the, the identity that you thought you had, it all just, whew, and then in the end, you're left with who? you and God. And it's, it's in that moment, even the spiritual father, St. Moses, St. Mary, right? Um, and the spiritual mothers, they talk about this moment where it all just leaves. It's, it's immense pain and immense joy at the same time, right? Because you finally, for the first time in your life, have experienced the grace of God. And that's what it is. That's what, what, what the desert fathers talk about, the grace of God. It is fleeting by design. The grace of God is not supposed to be a permanent state. Do you honestly think that the saints themselves spent 24-7 in the grace of God? It came and it went. They would be in spiritual ecstasy, and then they would walk out of their cell, and they would immediately be pulled back into you know, the everyday life of the monastery. This person's fighting with this person, or they have to go and do work, and they would lose the grace of God, and they would have to work towards it. Why is that the case? Why is the grace of God so fleeting? Why is that by design? It's simple. You ever had good chocolate? Like I'm talking about really good chocolate. Like excellent mm. Swedish or <laughs> the one that
5: Belgian. melts in your mouth. Yeah, like like it's velvet.
3: <laughs> like velvety chocolate, right? You can probably recall that moment, what you were doing, what you were feeling, what you were tasting like. It's incredibly good chocolate. Imagine if you had that chocolate every single day of your life. Would you appreciate it? Mm-hmm. Probably not. And here's the other thing. Now that you know what it tastes like, you're hungry for it. You want to get back to it. So you work harder, you're, you go find out where that chocolate's from, or you're willing to spend whatever it takes just to, just to get that chocolate again. This is the grace of God. It is so incredibly powerful, so delicious. It, it is so filling. It is so everything you ever want in your life. And th- so that those fleeting moments that you're spending with communion with God, they're so incredible, but they're designed to leave. They're designed to dissipate, to make you want more, to make you to work more. And, and, and when they come and, and how they come, that's up to God. But they do come, but you have to empty yourself. You have to allow yourself to receive it.
1: What do you think, Mikey? I think there's also a problem with the disconnect between these cradle cops who are often servants and then people who ask. So sometimes these servants don't necessarily have an answer to the questions being asked. So it gives people the impression that there is no answer. Their faith is just blind. And it's not necessarily that there is their answer, but they may not know it. Plus, a lot of these, like, um, ideologies or ideas that are being, like, said are relatively new, you know, happening in the last hundred years or so. So these servants may not have an idea about them, or they think, okay, you're having doubts in your faith. That's inappropriate. You're not close to God. But not necessarily doubt, but maybe they want to know more about it.
3: Yeah, I, I, you know, um, if we're going to be real, let's be real. You took us there pretty <laughs> You jerked us into it. But, but if we're going to be real, let's be real. Um, there's a lot of people uh, who have authority in the church, as as servants, who just are not really equipped to deal uh, or to work or to guide or to serve um, some, some of the people. You know, that type of personality that's always questioning, that's always asking. Maybe they see it as a threat. Uh, maybe they see it as disrespect. Maybe they see it as someone who's just lost, and they're trying to, you know, get others lost. They have all these thoughts in their head, and and, and you know, I, I'm I don't have a problem saying those are all wrong. To think that, you know, just because someone's acting out in, in the class or asking questions, doesn't mean you kind of put them in their place. <laughs> and you have to understand, like, what what happens in most churches is all the people that have gone out and searched, you know, whether they're still out there searching. Or whether they found what they wanted and they haven't returned to the church because they haven't found a place for, for for themselves in the church, so who does that leave to serve? It leaves the the cradle cops to serve, and a and a cradle cop is not necessarily going to understand where that child is coming from. Who's asking so many questions, right? Because they didn't go on that journey and you know they they experience Christianity and 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 their faith very differently, very rudimentary, very basic, very uh, fervent, right? So. It creates situations like you're talking about, Michael, where, where they don't really understand. And then in the end, the kid says, why am I being treated like this? You know, you're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to be you love me. You're supposed to guide me. Like, okay, like, I'm just asking questions. I'm just trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. And in the end, that person just leaves. Mm-hmm. So, 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 yeah, if we're going to be real, well, let's keep it real. Definitely let's keep it real. Uh, but let's also understand that at the end of the day, uh, God never abandoned that person. You know, maybe the servant did. Maybe the church didn't. I don't know. Right? I don't. I don't want to make any accusations. But God will never abandon that person, right? So, so I agree. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, in terms of what you're saying, but but I will say to, to all the servants listening, this is an opportunity to get out of your comfort zone, which is lazy. If you're in your comfort zone, you're not. You don't want to come out of it. That's that's being a lazy servant. And the Bible is very clear on what happens to lazy servants, right? And and maybe be more aware of this type of mentality. And 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 let's let's go back to Z. So so, so Z. You have that type of mentality, and, and the reason why we, we loved uh, love the fact of bringing you on is because we wanna want dive a little bit deeper into how you think. Maybe you could tell us uh, a little bit more about your, your journey.
4: Okay, so going back on something you touched earlier, you said that everybody has a guide, and most times it's not a actual person, but it's the Holy Spirit. For me, it was the guide of truth, I want to say. I was really searching, not for not for any god, but I was searching for something true, something that felt raw almost, that hit me at my core. And at first, I went really heavily into Buddhism because in Buddhism, you you practice meditation, and you, through that, you get this increased focus. You feel the world at a more raw, way and something I never knew at the time is that that meditation that focus that energy is in Christianity as well it's just that you have to feel it and when I want to say the most uh, when I felt God the most is when I was my most vulnerable when I was most afraid when I was most scared and when I completely surrendered to him and I surrendered all preconceived notions and was just embraced and from then on I've been hooked on the spiritual ecstasy as you put but it yeah. uh even though I probably never felt it to the extent of the saints but um, um yeah, yeah that's pretty pretty much sums up my journey and it, at the end of the day it was the truth that led me back it was the truth of wanting to at first find out what was true uh, what felt true in uh, on earth but then find out what felt feels true uh, after I die. And, uh, I think that's, that fear is what brings a lot of people back. Maybe even at moments before they die is that they want a friend at the other side of the door of death. And that's what brings people back in the end.
3: So very, very interesting perspective. Uh, you brought up, uh, the melding of faiths, right? Like a lot of people, um, will treat faith and religion, as they're like, they're shopping on Amazon, right? Like, religion. Okay, uh, I, you know what? I really, I really like this, but it's not the color that I want. You know, or like, you know, this is this is a good religion, but it's a little bit too strict. You know, it's a little bit. It, it doesn't. It doesn't fit me perfectly. So maybe you know what? I want this color, but I want less restrictiveness. Uh, so let me try this, and let me let me order it, and then I order it, I try it on. I got, you, know, you gotta send it back before 30 days, right? <laughs> yeah. Otherwise you gotta pay for it, right? So oh, I'm not, this is not gonna work, you know, let me get a, a return, I'll send it back, I'll try something else. And they go through, almost like the, the marketplace, like mm-hmm. it's the same, same analogy. And they're just trying on different things. They're, they're, they're trying to find what's gonna fit me best. And so we see, or, you know, in the service, uh, I'm looking at you, Bishu, because I, I know i have come across this, uh, people will, you know, when they spend a little bit of time with orthodoxy, and they feel this, I don't know if this is the right fit. Let me go try Buddhism. It's pretty close. You know, love everything, be kind and gentle. And so they go to Buddhism. They try that a little bit, and uh, maybe it doesn't hit. Maybe it hits for a little bit, and then they try Kabbalah. Maybe Kabbalah. Hinduism
4: doesn't. a little bit.
3: Hinduism, Hinduism mm-hmm. a little bit. Like if you're going to go into the, the you know paganism and whatnot, and, and you keep, keep trying it. So, so my question to you is: When you were dabbling in Buddhism, uh, one, what attracted you to it, and and two, uh, what eventually got you out of it?
4: Um, I think I touched on that. So what I was uh, most initially attracted to in Buddhism was uh, that that through meditation and through the practice, you feel much more in tune with the world. You feel the world more, you're more focused with the world. And that had benefits to my school and just my life in general. But also it didn't have any, it didn't ask you to believe anything as long as as i've looked into it um, and that was something that was very well, relieving at the time however when coming back to christianity i realized that through deep prayer you are completely submitting yourself and you are meditating at that point you completely tune out tune out the world and tune in this one thing and through uh through the liturgy through like many different things you are fully embracing one thing and being with one thing. And that combined both my aspects that I liked about Buddhism with the, um, another thing that really brought me back to Christianity was uh, because I could never get, so this is very subjective, but one of the stories my mom used to tell me when I was younger, I don't know she's trying to freak me out or what but she used to tell me the story about when she saw an exorcism and that really freaked me out when i was younger and she talked about it with such conviction and with such a belief and if you believe in devil if you believe in demons you must believe in god at the other end and i could never shake that and coming back to christianity and believing combined both my love and belief in God with the uh, tangible benefits of, I want to say, increased reality on earth or increased feeling on earth uh, from Buddhism.
2: You know, Zee, that's interesting that you say that because I think when it comes to like meditation and Christianity, like we don't formally call it meditation, but I think the life of a Christian is a constant state of meditation on different levels. So whether if it's like prayer, whether if it's like commuting or singing or liturgies or vespers, whatever it may be, there's in, in the Christian life, there's always supposed to be a constant form of meditation throughout the throughout our lives, basically. And, um, you know, I think because we don't formally call it meditation, you know, we don't really acknowledge it as meditation is just another task to do like I have to pray. I have to read the Bible, you know, like I have to do certain things and just check it off the list. But, you know, when like in church, for example, we say, oh, king of peace, grant us your peace. I think meditation is just a form of peace, a form of just like decompressing, letting everything go for a moment and just being one with God. And, um, you know, throughout the entire journey of a Christian, it's that, that struggle of letting go of the worries of the world, you know, work, school, bills, families, friends, all of that, and just being one with God for a period, you know? And so whether if it's like consistently throughout the day or in segments, you know, like liturgy and then you go do your thing. And then later prayer and then you go do your thing. And then the gospel. But, you know, leaving too much gap in between a constant state of meditation is what causes constant anxiety in a human because you know, you're constantly, if if you don't have that form of peace in your mind and throughout your soul, you're not going to have that calamity that God provides you. And I think that's what causes a lot of problems in this world is that, you know, we're always pushing God out. Who is the king of peace and we're allowing the world in, which is the king of chaos and so we just always have chaos in our minds and never peace, so. Right,
3: right, right on, right on. I mean, the Jesus prayer itself, right? So so you, you, you talked about Buddhism. Um, so meditation and re- constantly repeating the mantras, you know, um, And which by the way, if you understand what those mantras mean, they, they are calling out to the pagan gods, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the actual things that are said during yoga and meditation. Um, so the Jesus prayer, is the elevated form of that, right? When, when you say, my Lord, Jesus Christ, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Has, uh, you know those of, those of us that have practiced that Jesus prayer, especially in a time of need, um, can feel its calming effect, its power. Because you cannot call upon the Lord and him not come. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean you, 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 listen, the gospel says uh, he loves us so much that the hairs of our head are counted. He he loves us so much that he if he's going to take care of the birds of the air and the, and the lilies of the field, why would he not take care of you, if he considers you greater than all of his other creations, right? So if that is true, and you have to assume it is because that's what the Bible says, then then when you call upon his name, my Lord Jesus Christ, you are calling him, and then you're asking for something. Have mercy upon me, and then you're identifying that I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, and you are God. So it's it's a three part thing, and when you do that, you 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 are elevated into this state. It's not ecstasy. It's, it's the state of oneness with God. And that peace that you're talking about, no matter what's going on in your life, you will, you will feel it, right? And that's one of the most difficult things to do, though, is to rely on God when you need him. And the reason why a lot of people don't call upon God in their time of need is, well, there's many reasons, but probably the most important, I say the most common is shame. Some, sometimes people feel as if I have done too much bad, I am not good. Because that's what the world implies, right? In order for capitalism to work, in order for the way our our materialistic society, our very prideful society works, is it has to keep you down. Like you have to feel as if there's there's a void in you so that they can come and sell you what to fill that void with.
4: You have to have problems.
3: It, it, yeah, yeah, you have to have problems, whether it's money problems or educational problems or, 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 or relationship problems. You, you know, the, the, the whole point of society is, you know, you can't do this on your own. You need this thing or this person or this service or this, you know, you need, you know, if you're so depressed, you need this substance, uh, you need this drug, you need you need this, this, this time, this relationship, right? the answer, according to the world, is outside of yourself. Christianity, it's different. The answer is within yourself. And what is supposed to be within you? The kingdom of God is within you. God lives within you. You are the church. So the answer to your problems in Christianity is you don't need anything outside of yourself, outside of what God is inside yourself, which is God himself. And that oneness with God is one of the most powerful things. I mean, What religion, give me a religion other than Christianity that says all powerful God that knows everything, that feels everything, that understands everything, that created everything, his number one importance on his list for the day is you. The one thing he wants to do, the one thing he wants to check up on, the one thing he wants to spend time with, the one thing he wants to focus all of his energy and his love is you. And he loves you so much that he wants to elevate you to the level of God. He wants to be one with you. And give you, in, so that you inherit his entire kingdom. He wants you to rule with him. He wants you to be with him. Not as a servant, not as a slave, but as, as his son, as his daughter. What religion, what other religion other than Christianity says, and, and here's, the, here's the crazy part, the, the part that so many people fail to accept in their heart. They might conceptualize it up here, but they don't get it here, which is it doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how much bad you've done. It doesn't matter who you've hurt. If you repent, if you come back to God, if you say to Him, I'm so sorry, Father, you will not finish the word sorry before He wraps His arms around you and pulls you in for a hug and says, Welcome back, my son. Kill the fatted
5: calf. You give yourself an amen. i oh, give myself an amen. Okay.
3: <laughs> this is who God is. It is peace. It is oneness. It is love. This is who God is.
5: What really makes... Uh, I love what you said. is like when you said, like, uh, in, in any other religion, do you see that connection? And tell me one other religion also, that God didn't ju- doesn't just love you that way, but He came for you. No other religion. In any other religion, it's man searching for God. Mm-hmm. And I think, Z, that's... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I actually wanted to ask you that question. Is Did you feel the meditation is different from uh, Buddhism and Christianity, that Christianity... You ended up like, you're not looking for something outside, you're looking for something inside, like what what, uh, Theo said. Or, and in Christianity, that's in Christianity, and Buddhism, you looked at it as, no, we're trying to find the truth outside, but it was never outside to begin with. Um, You can answer that question for me. But really, that's the meditation part, which Justine was talking about. It's, I think it was St. John Chrysostom who said that, uh, silence your tongue so that your heart speaks, and then silence your heart so that God speaks. The whole idea is that y- you can't, one of the reasons why Gen Z or like the younger generations don't know themselves as well is because they never have a time just with themselves. They're always on their phones. They're always on the iPad. When we got bored, I mean, you sit on the bed and you literally just throw a ball at the wall. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it sounds very boring. And it sounds like a, a very unnecessary and unproductive activity. But in reality, when you're doing that, you're doing nothing that requires your brain. And what happens here is that you're more and more trying to get deep into yourself and trying to know yourself more. And When you know yourself, who is already inside you? The Holy Spirit, right? When you said the guidance. So you get to know the Holy Spirit and you get to form that connection with him just because you're sitting on a bed throwing a ball at a wall. I'm not trying to like say, like, do that activity. That's not my point. But just like, do something that doesn't require mental energy. We don't have that anymore, mm-hmm. period. And that's why, um, I think it's part of the reason why people are searching more for God, because we don't find God outside and we got so distracted, like you said, the chaos, and then we forgot to look inside, which is the most important, and it's where we found God. And you know, I was reading a, a book of Victor uh, Frankl, he's a, a Jew who went in concentration camps and he was trying to find a purpose. He doesn't hear from his wife and his kids. The book's title, "Man's Search for Meaning." After I finished vocalist, who, by the
3: book, who were his wife and kids were brought in the concentration camp.
5: They died. Actually, lot,
3: well, yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't find that out till the he end. He doesn't find out until the end. I
5: didn't want to like yeah. actually <laughs> say anything for anyone who reads yeah. it, but spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. is <laughs> after, the yeah, spoiler. after he goes back, he goes out of the concentration camp. I think he was in Dachau. Yeah. I'm not so sure. Um, and after he goes out, he finds out that his wife and his kids actually died. They were yeah. killed. And then this is the moment when he realized I need to find my purpose even behind. Outside of that. Mm. But because he's not Christian, he was man searching for God. But if he was a Christian, the book would be titled God Searching for Man. That's why God went out to search for the coin like the lady searched out for the lost coin. The shepherd went out for the lost sheep. But people be like, Alright, you know what? No, but the prodigal son went back. Well, he was already living there. He already knew who his father is. So all he had to do is return back, not search for him. He knows the address. Mm. So that's the same thing for us, is that we don't find God. He already found us. He already showed us the way. It's the matter of, do we want him? And are we willing to explore more and try to learn more about him or no? But back to the question I had for Z: is, did you find the difference in meditation between Buddhism and Christianity that you felt, in Christianity, I'm looking within myself, and Buddhism, I'm looking outside?
4: Uh, without a doubt, yeah. Uh, because... At least Buddhism, you the, the, you're not really searching for anything within you. I mean, you're searching for uh, just to almost uh, well enlightenment and this uh, upper level of like feeling or feeling in uh, reality. However, with uh, Christianity, it again like my, the time I felt it the most was when I was most vulnerable and when I was. When I felt that within me I was like perfect, that everything at this time was everything was fine, everything would be good, and uh, everything it, it was great at the time.
3: So, um, what, what what do the rest of you guys think about um, this the searching for God and, and and trying to find who who God is? Because you know Z story um, is is not becoming more and more common, but uh, you know, there are other ways that we have searched for God, and there are other uh, stories. Um, sometimes in the church, you can you can be in the church, dressed as a deacon, reading the gospel, and yet there's no connection in your heart with God.
0: Yeah. So I actually wanted to touch on this as well because I had a I, like I had a problem for a long time where I wasn't able to connect with God. I never liked the traditional like. I have to stand up in my room, face the East, close my eyes, and that's how I talk to him. Like, that, for me, that never worked. And I struggled for a really long time because that was the only way I was told how to do it. Like, you have to, you know, at this time of the day, you stand up, close your eyes, connect with God. Like, and it was just, like, a routine, and it just wasn't working. So I remember, like, I reached out to my father for confession. I was like, I I don't like standing in my room. Like, I don't like standing, like, in my house with, like, The door closed with my eyes closed and just talking. Like I don't like it. So he says, "Well, what do you like doing?" And I was like, "You know what? I really like just sitting like outside, like in nature. Like I love like that meditative, like peaceful, like feeling." So he's like, "So why don't you just pray outside?" And I was like, "Oh." Oh, isn't that
5: easy? (laughs)
0: He's like, "Take your favorite icon, take it outside with you and pray." And I was like, "That's a great idea." (laughs) And like, and it's like interesting because I feel like we don't talk about it enough. Like there's not like one right way to pray and to meditate and to connect with God. Like there are like plenty of ways that you can find that work with you to help you connect. Like you, if you really want it and you're seeking and your heart is open, you can find a way that works like for you.
4: For me, uh, Well, I want to touch on something Justine said as well, and something you said as well, Irene. It's that I have to pray. Like, I have to pray facing the east. I have to pray, or uh, I forget what you were saying, Justine, but that you have to do. Uh, However, for me, when I, quote unquote, pray the best or feel like my prayer is uh, actually reaching God, is when I, instead of saying I have to pray, I say I get to pray. I get to wake up and pray. I get to. Do or that even correlates to or, trans, or carries over to other things, like I get to study, I get I to do all this. this. And it just reminds me, A, of my inevitable death and that I have limited time on this earth and it just instantly snaps me out of that lazy mentality and it, I, I feel much more in tune with what I'm doing and I feel that I am with whatever I'm doing.
2: So to transition, how do we develop a relationship with God?
3: Yeah, you're going to hit us with that one? Uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that's, a, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I think f- first it's finding out who God is,
6: mm-hmm. right?
3: Like uh, Because God is the Savior of the world. God is your Father. So there is this common knowledge of who God is, and the church will deliver that to you. What the church cannot deliver to you is, okay, well, who is God in my life? It can help you. It can guide you. But you have to go out and find that. You have to go out and form that relationship with God. You you have to do the work, and the church will give you the tools. It'll give you the guidance, but if you don't do the work, you'll never understand that that secondary that phase two, which is okay. Now that I know who God is, who is God in my life? What does He want from me? Like yeah, He wants you to pray. Yeah, He wants you to go to the church. Yeah, He wants you um, to uh, you know do good and serve. But these things are precursors. If you're just going to stop at that level, you're not you're not fully achieving your mission your purpose in your life because everybody has a purpose everybody has a reason it could be to be a mother it could be to be uh you know something else to accomplish something to do something to serve someone but you won't know until you understand who god is in your life right so asking god to reveal himself in your life i think is is, is phase two and it, and it is very very important and this is where a lot of people just stop they, they don't get that far because honestly it's the hardest part about, about being a christian like it, it's like never going past kindergarten you understand the basics you know your abcs you know you know what you have to do right you have all the tools but you don't actually do anything what's the point of buying going to home depot and buying every single tool that they have if you're just going to put them in your garage and never touch them
2: please tell my dad that that's
3: every man <laughs> just yeah. that's literally every. it's not going to be fixed ever <laughs> you know so, so so i think i think that that really is the second phase it's just like how, how so maybe how do you accomplish that how do you find uh, the purpose of God in your life. What, 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 do you, what do you guys think, Michael, David?
1: I think that there's also some misunderstandings about God. So I've heard this from a priest before, and I thought it was absolutely true. He's like, he's talked to some people who have left the church, and he's like, why do you leave the church? They're like, I don't want a God who's ABC. The priest said, I completely agree with you. I don't want a God who's ABC either. So I feel like when we better understand who God is and his love for us, we that helps us to have a better relationship with him,
5: but do you think that comes before you developed the relationship, or after, both? I mean, from your point of view, I'm, I'm just.
1: I think knowing about God helps develop that relationship. Kind
6: okay. of. For yeah. me, the answer is after, um, after because, you know, like, I try, I try really hard to read like, uh, the theological papers and and the writings from the fathers of the church, and try to listen and. and understand a lot about God um, especially because I'm a very logical person mm-hmm. um, uh, like I spend my whole day using logic I'm a programmer and gotcha. I like to think <laughs> Makes
2: sense. one plus one equals zero, two. Zero, <laughs> zero
5: and ones is all you but see right? I like
6: to think I'm a pretty good programmer I graduated <laughs> okay. I graduated software engineer at 19 so I like to oh, think that nice. my logic is very strong and that's the way I think for almost all of my life and I, I try to make these logical ne- connections and understand everything, um, and uh, I wanted to eventually ask uh, Z about this. But uh, especially in the Old Testament, when a lot of things do seem illogical, and a lot of things that can't be explained, a lot of things that I, I don't know the answer to, and when I try to seek out you know these tangible answers, I struggle. And you know, to fully understand God, for me, I couldn't even get close without the relationship where it was just that. That, that moment of weakness, that moment of loss, that moment of I'm completely empty and I have nothing and then the relationship comes and then I, because of that relationship, I'm closer and closer to understanding God.
4: Mm-hmm. What was the question?
6: <laughs> so, so my question would be um, from someone who who's exploring other things and wasn't exactly sure and then comes back. Um, I've met other people like that and struggled with this myself. Um, there's a lot of things in the Old Testament a lot of people refute or say like I don't really know if that should be part of a Bible or especially like in like the creation story uh, I just want to tell what do you what do you think
4: for me uh everyone brings up the creation story at first or uh, whenever they're talking to me and um, at least for me I've, I don't know I've, I don't remember hearing this from anyone or uh, any other priest talking about it but you I don't take the Bible hundred percent literally I there are a lot of uh, like, like bending of the truth—not bending of the truth, but stretches uh, in sense. For me, the creation story is saying that God created uh, humans. He created—he uh, created life. Like it, it could be simply an analogy for life by creating Adam and Eve. He's simply creating life. I don't know what you guys. You want you guys want to talk about that?
5: The, um, so. So, yeah, the, 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 what is it called? The uh, allegory. allegory. Allegorical, yeah. The allegorical uh, way of the, uh, the Bible is. Interpretation. Yeah, the interpretation is not. I agree with you, not everything is literal, um, but not when it comes to the stories, really. Um, the one who fell into that was. Um, uh, what was his name? Fell into what? Uh, the the saint. He's not a saint. He's a father. I forgot. why I don't know I'm blinking. Who Re- said recently said, or historically? No, 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 historically. Oh. Um Wow, well, I forgot his name. There was I don't know, I'm on it. he's very famous. Uh it was it was a church father, and then like he he was never he was never not really a church father, but bec- he because a lot of times he said the allegorical part and he did not believe in the story of creation, he did not believe in the story of Noah. Uh, and the church, like obviously, did not consider him a saint. And his teachings are pretty, like, kind of like eh, they are not very sure about everything he says. Some of the things he says is right, some of not. The- origin? Origin. Yeah, correct, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't know. I was blinking on it, but origin is was pretty much saying what you were saying. The thing is, like, well, okay, that, that's that's a loaded question or a loaded topic. Um, when you look at something like uh, Noah's Ark, for example, would you would you say this is a true story or was it no?
4: Uh, let's talk about the creation story, because okay. that one.
5: <laughs> okay. So the, the reason why I was asking about Noah, I will talk about creation in a second. But the reason why I was mentioning Noah's Ark is that a lot of people thought it's not true. Big boat. Uh, big boat, right? It's so weird, right? But then like, um, when I was that phase, uh, I went through that phase as well. I was like, not everything is literal. And then I started searching for it. Uh, Noah's Ark is actually on Mount Ararat, which is in the, um, in Turkey. And it has the same dimensions. It has the same, they can't pull it out because if they do, it actually would be broken. And they would lose all the evidence and the proof that Noah's Ark is true. There is videos and articles all over the web. You can go search for it and you will find it. Um, Noah's Ark was one of, is one of the stories that people think like, what the heck, why would God save seven people and kill everyone else, right? Um, going back to the creation part is, The part that we don't understand, or that can be allegorical, is not the story itself. But when it comes to the Bible, it's the details of the story. So, something like, he created the world in seven days. What is a day? What is a night? We wouldn't be able to tell, because later on, St. Peter made it very clear that there is no such a thing as day and night. And to, to God, or to God, yeah. I'm sorry, there's no yeah. limitation, of yeah, time. yeah, there is no limitation because if you look at it, I'm sorry, a little bit of science that the three elements of life or physics is matter, space, and time. God is outside time, so when from God's perspective, when He said He created in seven days, we have no idea what seven days and seven
4: nights mean. Uh, quick, uh, I don't know if we, we want to turn it into this oh, yeah. podcast, but uh, God is also outside of matter, exactly, and yeah. You know, by that point, wouldn't you say that he is outside of what is it is to be a human? He is outside of what it is to be a a, a, a lion or outside of any animal. And that could go to back to what I was saying, how he simply said he was creating life by that sense. I
5: I I I I see where you're going with that. The way I see it is kind of like man created this room and he's in it. Man can be anywhere, but he's inside this room. For God, it's a little bit different because Yes, he is outside of the matter, but he created it. He can go in it any time he wants.
3: I, I think the, the important thing to, to keep in, in mind uh, is when it comes down to it, what is, what is key? And the creation story is very clear, that God considers man such an important part of his creation and no longer sees man as simply another animal or he never not no longer he never saw man as another animal or another creature man was something special that he created and to the point that god is willing to elevate the status of man uh to be one with him i mean god is not going to be one with a lion god's going to be one with you because you're special to him and so special is man to god and actually become man become incarnate He's not just like projecting himself into a man. Jesus was fully man and fully divine without any, you know, mingling or tingling. Of eye. It, was all, it was all perfect. It was all perfect. Perfect man and perfect God in one being. Uh, to the, just, and go through that entire uh, difficult ministry and the eventual crucifixion just to save man or give opportunity. We're not Protestant, let's be clear. To give man an opportunity to achieve salvation. Because before there was no opportunity, there was no opportunity. That is, there is nothing more important than 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 that message. And finding God is understanding just how much you are loved by God. Like when one of the biggest issues that we have in today's world is anxiety, depression, and the feeling of uh, being low, of being inferior, uh, that that you don't matter. And, it, and it's how people lose themselves, right? People turn to materialistic needs to close to relationships because they feel as if they don't matter and they need to matter somehow. They want acceptance from others uh, and, and they're hungry for that. But what they don't realize is they could be top of the food chain. They could be, you know, all these rappers and artists and whatnot and still feel empty, have all the money, have everything. We, we said it a thousand times, and still be empty because the only thing that you are designed, that is designed to completely fulfill you is God. And, and if the question is who is God, God is fullness. God is oneness. God is peace. God is everything you're searching for, and then some. And yet, the one thing that's available to all, that doesn't distinguish based on race, based on creed, based on education, based on status, based on physical ability, everyone can achieve salvation. It is available to everyone. God doesn't just love Christians. God loves the, everyone. The atheists, the Hindu. We are all God's children. God's love is unconditional. God loves all, right? And yet, the one, the one thing that's going to feed us, the one thing that's going to meet all, our, all of our needs, the one thing that we're all searching for, yet we don't realize we don't spend enough time trying to achieve. We don't spend enough time uh, connecting with it because we fall for the tricks that are out there, which is, no, 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 you need something else. You need a far inferior form of love, of acceptance, right? And we try to fill our heart with this stuff. And all it does is just poison us poison our soul poison our spirit so understanding who god is in many ways is also understanding who you are which is incomplete without god you are incomplete and if you live your life and you never really achieve that level of completion by becoming one with god um you you know your your life on earth and your life in eternity is will not be complete either
4: going off what you're saying um Something that ve- really hindered me from even beginning to look uh, for or to begin to understand God or to being to understand myself was the the um, realization that I didn't come to until later is that You will we will never understand everything about God or never mm-hmm. understand everything about myself and uh, That really hindered me from even starting and when I did start, when I, I began to realize that it's there's a it's a very small jump between what we we do know and the this, this little uh, things that we accept are the faith that we need to uh,
2: to like develop a relationship with God. Yeah. Well, I think kind of to jump off what you're saying, Z that's closer. Um, I think developing a relationship with God is just like developing a relationship with anybody. You know, it's, it doesn't develop overnight, but I think the thing is, you know, when we seek God, we have to seek God with an open mind and an open heart. And when we do, it's so amazing, like how fast God will come to you when, like, let's say, for example, you have a problem in life and you're like, I need to solve this problem, but sometimes we forget that we have an alternative, higher power that we can tap into—God—and request, like a, uh, you know, uh, a phone, you know, a phone. What, what's the thing called on on that one show?
0: Oh, um, like
2: call a friend, call or whatever. a friend. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you call into God. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mind blank. Um, so you call into God, and you know. God will deliver, like there's so many times where it's just like, you know, for example, in my life where I've been not that close to God or I'm not at my high spiritual moment and I just have a problem. I'm like, let me just pray about it. And God delivers immediately. And you're like, wow, this is better than like Amazon Prime. You know, like <laughs> this is amazing. So I think sometimes we, we, we surpass that because we think we can solve the problems, but developing relationship with God, it takes time. And Bishoy, you were talking earlier about how like Kids nowadays, they're just always on their phones. They're kind of like doing mindless things. I think what happens is right now in this age, we require quick gratification, quick responses. People nowadays don't have the patience for those simple life skills to develop relationships, friendships, bonds with other people because it's all Instant. You know, I do things instantly on my phone. I text people, FaceTime people. It's not like I'm sending a a mailing a letter, snail mail and waiting, you know, so people nowadays need quick gratification for things that they're looking for. And so developing a relationship with someone is not quick. It's a process. It, 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 It progresses over time. And I think spending that time with God, you know, it, it, God is just so loving that I, I don't think he wants somebody to be searching for him for so long that once you just open up your heart to him, he will fill you. And people who do that will realize God's presence is so strong in their life. And they kind of like what you were saying, Theo, there's like that you, spiritual euphoria or ecstasy that you, you experience. And People then want to go back to that, you know, they, they realize or they acknowledge God's presence and they're like, Wow, that was great. I need to like do this more often. And I think that's what brings in so many people who have soul searched or they've they've tried to look into, you know, who is God? What is God in my life and, you know, what role does he play in my life? And then when they feel that, it's just so overwhelming and it, it brings people closer to him and they realize the importance of, of him in their life. And, um, you know, hopefully it just grows from there. we got all the songs today. Absolutely.
3: Go ahead, David.
6: I wanted to bring up um, something Z was talking about, about not fully understanding God or ourselves and um, how that could be deterring, um, especially for people who, you know, like myself or like Z that want to think a lot more logically. And a lot of people um, in today's world that we have access to so much information, a lot of us think a lot more logically. And... Um, how it can deter us from a relationship with God um, and like I, I looked a lot around for a lot of answers and um, eventually came to a conclusion that like there's so much that a human can't understand and it's hard to, to like anything or develop a relationship with anything um, knowing you can't properly understand it and I read a lot of um, especially like stuff from like Stephen Hawking who's an atheist to one of the smartest brains in the world and um, understanding, like, why don't they believe in God? Why, you know, you mentioned God not being timeless and why a human game, a human brain cannot perceive that, anything being timeless. Mm-hmm. So by his conclusion, God can't exist if he's timeless. Um, understanding, like, what is the Big Bang Theory? What are all these explanations for how the universe could have came about? Explanations for even how man could have came about and getting really lost and... Not even being able to like believe anything, you know, like what is anything right now. Um, and uh, something I ended up reading um, was God speaking to Job, and He asked Job, "Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth?" Now God was asking this question of Job originally to belittle Job because Job was questioning, "How dare you do this to me? How I've been a good servant. Why is everything in my life, you know, not going well?" And God said this to him like, "Pipe down, right?" But it did speak to me in a way that, you know, where was anybody? It doesn't matter what is the truth. We'll never know. We can, you know, and even Stephen Hawking acknowledges this in a lot of his theories that he acknowledges his logic is flawed, but there is no better logic when he makes these theories because it's it's, um, observation to conclusion based, which means that he looks at takes a bunch of different observations and then just comes up with a conclusion because you can't replicate the creation of a universe, you can't tangibly prove this, you can't observe it, you just take things that support your conclusion um, and that we'll never really know and all these things that are out there and it can be be scary for a new Christian, it can be scary even for an existing Christian. this lack of understanding and even the conversation was getting more theological and my head started spinning like i don't get a lot of this stuff um that's all
3: you, you hit on something that is seminal absolutely seminal to understanding who god is uh humility it, it humility is it if heaven is uh has a gate that is impenetrable then the keys to that gate are humility you can try to enter the narrow gate, for many shall try, but few shall enter, and that's because people got, people's heads are just too big; they're not going to fit through, right? You're, you're, you. If you don't approach God in humility, and understanding that what what God taught Job, who are you to question me? But there's a there's a flip side to that. If you come to God, because God resists the pride and glorify, magnifies, glorifies the lowly, you know, the humble. You come to God and you say, who are you? How dare you do this to me? You will get slapped. But you come to God on your knees and you say, my Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon me, a sinner. I don't know what I'm doing in this life. I, I, I don't know if what I'm doing is, is good. I think I'm a horrible person. I don't believe that I am making you happy. And, and I can feel it because my life is miserable. I'm not even making myself happy. I have sinned. You know what God does to that person? He raises him up to his level. And he embraces him the way that they embrace the prodigal son. Can you imagine being at God's level? God is bringing you into his grace, into his love. And, and that's the key is humility. Sometimes people start on this journey of searching for God and they don't start in humility. They start in pride. Uh, what's this old man with the beard wearing black? What's he telling me about? God and how I have to live my life. Who's who's he to tell me? He's old. He doesn't understand. He wasn't born in America. He doesn't get it, right? I'll find my own way, right? And and I'll still be true to God, but I'll find my own way. And it's this pride, right? This pride because the higher you are, the the harder you fall. And the second you start your journey with this prideful sense, you will never find truth. It will be hidden from you, just like the Pharisees. They had the truth standing in front of them, and they didn't see it. They were blind. They couldn't hear. He talked to them every day they couldn't hear him unfortunately i would love to say that most people's stories end up like these but unfortunately that's not that's not most people most people they leave the church or they go out and they start searching and uh they don't come back because they get lost because not that god leaves them they leave god and they, they say, there's no space in my life for you right now. I'm going to live my life the way I want. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to experience these things. And then if things make sense, I'll come back to you. And and that's, that's the sad part about it. Because you, they're born with all the answers. They're born with the opportunity. And then they just lose their way. And a lot of that is because society does not appreciate humble people. It sees them as weak. Right? It glorifies those who have accomplished something, who have done something, who... You know beat their chest and say look at me look at me look at me and then they will preach humility but it's a false sense of humility it's like you know you know i appreciate i didn't get here by myself i had all these people that supported me you know but i still you know I, i'm here you know like the yeah, word. yeah like it was me right you know that that's that's the opposite of what true christianity is so humility is seminal but the second part that's really seminal to discovering who god is is love is selflessness it is putting one as last compared to everyone else and this is so important jesus himself came as a main as a a lowly human in a manger not as a king not as a general just as a carpenter's son in a manger and yet by far he is was the most powerful the most loving the most perfect human being that there was right and yet he came as a manger so it's it's came to serve others, to wash others' feet, to, 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 to accept those who had been rejected and considered dregs of society, the adulterer, to love them, to bring them back, to reconcile them back with God, right? It is this desire to serve, this desire to love someone so much in God, not outside of God. You can love outside of God, and it's not going to end well. But you love someone through God, through that godly love. And, and if you have those two things, and the last one, obviously, is faith, knowing that God is there and he's going to look out for you, right? So if, if you have humility, if you have love, and if you have faith, and then you go out on this journey and you ask questions and you, and you wrestle with God the way Jacob wrestled with God, because that's what Z did. Z said, I'm going to wrestle with God. I'm going to be Jacob. And God said, bring it on, buddy. Let's go. Right? The way he, he wrestled with Jacob. And then what happened at the end of that story? My, my father, I will not allow you to leave until you give me a blessing. And God gives him a blessing because of what he did, right? That is the beautiful way to do it. That is the right way to do it. Unfortunately, that's not what happens. A lot of people just lose their way. And so it's important to keep that in mind, right? That whatever you do, if you're going to go and question God, if you're going to look for these answers, to always keep those three things in your heart and focused. So uh, we, are, we are almost done here. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to do uh, closing time closing time closing time everybody we are uh, more than an hour in time to wrap up the show here so we're going to go around the room you're going to talk about what you learned what your takeaway is you know if someone asks you how did it go this is what you're going to tell them uh and what message you have for everybody listening and we're going to go with justine to go. Finally,
2: go first. I'm always last, and then everyone <laughs> takes my points. Um, there's a verse that I that is literally a life motto: it's 2 Peter five seven, casting all your worries on him, for he cares for you. Um, you know, always given to God. Allow God to take control, and um, you will be surprised with how many blessings God will give you that you never even saw coming. Irene, go. Um, I think in your
0: spiritual life you have to stay persistent and push through like those stagnant times where you feel like you just are not feeling anything but just being persistent like pushing through and understanding that you can't understand god and it's just above any human knowledge
4: uh z go Uh, i definitely definitely learned or want to experience more of selflessness i really think that that's something i have been lacking a little bit or not pursuing as much, and going off what I read—that persistence in everything, and in that selflessness, till somebody you love them. Sure, go.
5: Uh, I, I like what you said about the humility and going through the gate, and this is the key. Um, yeah, sometimes we do forget about it. You know, we achieve things in life, and we go, and you know, I, I forget myself and be like, oh, wait, "Calm down, you're just a human. You still." a baby to God, so uh, yeah, this is definitely something that I would love to think about more.
3: David, go.
6: Yeah, if I just humble myself and acknowledge you it's okay sometimes to just struggle and, and have to wrestle with it and just present myself in front of God that way instead of being prideful, it makes it a, lot, a whole lot easier.
1: Mikey. I think people who really want to know God, like St. Moses, and really want to know him, I think God will reveal himself to those people.
3: Absolutely. Uh, There's this thing in orthodoxy that's a misunderstanding. People think that I need to be good. You know, God will not love me if I am good. I need to read my Bible and pray and go to church and read my... You know what, guys? Yeah, you do need to do all those things. Absolutely. They're important. They're the basic building blocks. But Jesus Christ is not the God for those that are just good. He is God to all. He loves all. Jesus Christ loves... That who he who is serving him and loving him and doing his will and he loves those who are not and, and are lost and are in the dark uh, part of their life. He loves them all. And he wants to be one with them all. And he wants them all to be with him, not just in heaven, but here on earth. And he is more than capable of accomplishing that. I mean he is God after all. But he won't do it. He won't do it unless you invite him in. Unless you say to him, I am a sinner and I need you, and I love you, and I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. You know, I've, li- I've lived as a Coptic Orthodox Christian for 18, 19, 20, 30, 40 years, and I really don't, still don't understand you. How, how ashamed I am of myself. Help me. Help me. Teach me. Who are you? What do you want from me? And who am I? Please enter into my heart today. Be one with me and show me the way. You don't. That that is more powerful than any Bible reading, any igbeya, any liturgy. That, on your knees praying to God, communicating with him, telling him, come inside my heart, I am broken and I need you and I want you. That is more powerful than anything. You know, in those moments, that is when we feel the grace of God. And so if you're if you're out there and you're listening and you don't know who God is, you don't know who you are, and you're confused about what orthodoxy is or what this church is, it's okay. It's okay. You know, a lot of us have been there. A lot of us are still there. But the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is that today you call upon God and you ask him, God, I need you. And he will answer. And that's all we got for you today, guys. So uh, thank you so much for joining. We really appreciate it. We thank Z uh, and all of our guests for coming today. It was, it was a wonderful episode. Um, if you are local to Delray Beach, Florida, please uh, join us uh, next uh, next week. This week, I don't know It's every other week we'll, we'll Follow our socials, our Instagram And uh, and you'll definitely uh, know what's going on um, Remember uh, that uh, if you need anything Reach out to us on our social media We're happy to help you find your local Orthodox Church And uh, I think probably the single most important thing is Remember that among all things Have fervent love for one another For love covers a multitude of sins Remember, we love you God loves you Bye everybody <laughs>